It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Green, green, green. Let's go racing. Here on the Stock Car Show for another evening of motorsports conversation, or a couple of hours worth anyway. Tom Baker with you, along with Jacob Seelman and Cisco Scaramuza as we start the program this evening. All of us from RaceChaserOnline.com, where we give you motorsports your way every day, all day long. And we hope that uh, you are a regular part of our day on the website. If not, RaceChaserOnline.com and feel free to sign up and say hello to us. Look forward to uh, having you as part of Race Chaser Nation. On PMN Radio, however, we do talk racing here on Thursday nights, and we mostly talk short track kind of stuff, short track and touring series on this program. And boy, have we got a feast of that tonight. If uh, you are into short track racing, sit back, put your feet up, and enjoy the next couple of hours because we've got a lot to get through here. We're going to hear from Kyle Busch because he kind of won something last weekend and uh we're gonna hear from cole williams as well and we're just gonna completely tip the golden anniversary of the snowball derby upside down and spin it around and shake it and do all that break it down and we're gonna talk quite a bit of that but first (laughs) we gotta get to the newswire and guys wow i mean you know we started this morning with um some things going on and by about 11 o'clock in the morning, it was just buzzing. The PRI show, of course, is this weekend. For those of you who don't know what that is, the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show in Indianapolis. It's the biggest trade show for our industry, and that started today. And did we ever have some news? Let's just let's go straight to the news wire. And Jacob, I'm going to come to you first on this. Whelan has signed a multi-year extension through 2024. Uh, with NASCAR to continue sponsoring the Modified Tour, the Euro Series, and the Hall of Champions. And, wow, Jacob, you know, it's great. I, I don't know that I'm surprised at this, but I think I'm surprised at the length of the extension because basically that's about a six- or seven-year extension they signed, and that's great for the sport because Whelan has been an outstanding sponsor of a lot of different uh, pieces of short track racing. And I think that's been a mutually beneficial situation. I would agree with that, Tom. And good evening, everybody. Glad to be both behind the glass and on the air tonight on the Performance Motorsports Network as we bring you another edition of the Stock Car Show. This has been a hugely beneficial relationship, both for Wheel and Engineering and for NASCAR from the series sponsorship to the safety initiatives that Whelan has brought to the series, the safety lights, the upgraded uh, features at a lot of the local short tracks now that uh, utilize them, as well as, of course, all the national series tracks and all the support they do for grassroots racing via the Whelan All-American Series, via, of course, the NASCAR Modified Tour, and most recently the Whelan Euro Series. I'm excited, and you know what? This is not unprecedented. We've seen long-term relationships signed in recent years. I think uh, Comcast Xfinity signed a five- or seven-year agreement uh, with 
NASCAR, or by the time we're done with this current agreement, it will have been five or seven years. And I know when Camping World came in to sponsor the Truck Series, they signed a seven-year agreement as well. So not necessarily surprised, Tom, but still a great sign for these series and, of course, for the Hall of Fame as well, with which Whelan is going to continue to be involved. Phil Kerr, one of the higher-ups at Whelan Engineering and uh, one of the mainstays with their motorsports marketing program, has been tremendous for the sport and uh, glad to see them continue to be around for years to come. Like you said, it's been mutually beneficial and nothing but good. I feel like we're going to continue to see this grow short track racing across the country uh, courtesy of this continued partnership. Yeah, it should be uh, very, very, very good for, again, for the sport in general. Uh, very thankful to the folks from Wheelan. This sport needs more Wheelans. Um, okay, I'm going to skip the next item on our news news uh, wire here that we've got written down. Go to the third one. Cisco Ream made a major announcement. And this one, I think for a lot of people, until you realize the situation, a lot of people are going to be surprised by this. Ream is leaving Richard Childress Racing. And I know that they've been there about 10 or 11 years. It's been a long um, partnership between those two entities to go to Joe Gibbs Racing, and they are going to be the primary for Christopher Bell and Ryan Priest in the Xfinity Series. Cisco, does this surprise you? Absolutely. You know, beyond just the RCR relationship, I know of Ream as being the sponsor, the longtime sponsor for Nick Ottinger in the NASCAR Peak Antifreeze Series as well. So I'm not sure if that will affect this at all. But nonetheless, this is huge because Priest and Bell, if you've seen them out on track, it was Toyota. That's That was the nameplate on the car the whole time. So we're in this situation now where... Now that you have a major sponsor in here, it's just adding to the names that are coming on board to support this and make this such a big deal. So I'm not surprised considering, you know, the hype that's around both Priest and Bell and considering, you know, the newsworthiness of both of these drivers and the success they've had in several different series. I'm happy to see Bell, you know, be able to go out and get sponsorship. And I really hope this means good things for Ryan Priest as well, that he's going to be more of a mainstay at JGR than just the other guy who's not Chris Bell, because that's how I feel like it is right now. <laughs> the other guy who's not Chris Bell. Okay, we'll make a note of that. Jacob, I suspect you're probably not quite as surprised as Cisco. No, I'm really not, and I think it all boils down when those of us in the industry really look closely at this. Of course, Brandon Jones, who was signed to JGR for this coming season from RCR, where he was, has uh, family ties within the Ream organization, and I'm not surprised at all to see Ream shift over to still be involved with the current team that Brandon is situated at, though they have had, as we've seen, Tom, for many years now, a lot of success marketing themselves with other drivers outside of Brandon. Now, they were with Brandon when he was back in the late models uh, down in Georgia and a little bit even before that, but they've had a lot of success in the Xfinity Series. I'm glad to see them continuing in the Xfinity Series because you never want to lose a sponsor out of the series. But I think it's very, very interesting. I think we had thought perhaps that there would be some other sponsors stepping up for the majority of 
Christopher Bell's time in the JGR number 20 next season. So now with Ream taking over the majority of that support, it really opens the door, I think, for some other things to go on and uh, some different things as far as sponsorship to be worked around at Joe Gibbs Racing. A lot of good things, though, obviously, uh, and it's good to see them backing Ryan Priest. I was really concerned where the sponsorship was going to come from for Priest's races, so to know that Ream is fully on board, that they're going to be backing Ryan for the 10 confirmed races that he has for 2018. That takes the pressure off of Ryan. He doesn't have to worry about any money at this point. All he has to worry about is going and trying to win races. So I think there's a lot of good things here. And uh, to go back to your original point, definitely unsurprising, definitely excited for both of the drivers. Yeah, not really surprised. I just think that this is definitely going to be an interesting move. And I think it's going to be great, as you said, for Ryan Priest. Christopher Bell, one way or the other, was going to have everything he needed. But uh, Ryan Priest is going to be, I think, the real benefactor for exactly the reason you just said. Now, he doesn't have to worry about dollars. He just has to worry about winning. And that's a, a nice situation for Ryan to be in at this point. Okay, now I want to circle back here on our notes uh, here to the K&NE schedule because that schedule got released as well. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Jacob, because when you look at it, at a glance, you would say, well, it's not really that much different. But it kind of is. Um, A little less short track stuff. You got a second combination race in there. And what I think is a bit of a surprising return to Memphis International Raceway because I don't really think that uh, that show last year was all that great. I'm a little surprised they went back there, but for the most part, uh, kind of an interesting schedule. Yeah, it is interesting, and I will save my full rant for when we have a little bit more time. We got a couple minutes before break, but I'll make this brief. I'm disappointed, quite frankly. I wanted to see more short tracking. I feel like that showcases this series the best. And the fact that we're largely on big tracks, especially during the second half of the season, is as much as these guys need that experience, it's frustrating to me because this series needs some identity. It doesn't need so many of these combination race weekends. And and actually what I'm getting at is the uh, combination with the NASCAR National Series, the companion weekends, I guess is the word I was looking for, are important, but I don't feel like you need to have quite as many of them. You know, three or four is okay, but when you get into five, six, and a 13-race schedule, it just feels like a little bit much for me, and it raises the cost of racing in the series and that's not what we need right now we need more cost effectiveness and if we don't get that i'm really concerned for the future of the knn series both east and west cisco i agree with most of jacob's points there i do like the combination race with the indycar series at gateway i think that's cool i just think we could have probably done something different in order to uh, decrease the costs a little bit and compensate for the fact that these guys are going to have to travel a good bit to go to that race. Yeah, and trust me, I was going to talk about Gateway because I'm really happy to see them getting all these you know, races on the schedule because of how expensive that whole repave and everything they put back into that facility was. I'm happy to see they're on the schedule. I do agree that you know, it is going to be a little bit of a drive. I mean... They're not going to Chicagoland. The fur, the only other track that's even further out than that is going to be Iowa. 
Yeah, so, well, Iowa's been a staple. I just I yeah. would have dropped Memphis and just added Gateway because I think Gateway overall yeah. with the Indy cars would be a much better show all the way around and much higher impact show. But we'll be able to talk more about that on future shows. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to start talking about the 50th annual. I can't believe I just said that. It's as old as me. The Snowball Derby <laughs> right around the corner. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm John Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Okay, Tom, you don't have to dance in there. We, we get it. We really do. It's headbanging, not dancing. Whatever. Get that Close right. enough. Headbanging. You got to headbang when you have that music. Okay. 
Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, along with Jacob Seelman, who is doing double duty tonight, playing co-host and the man behind the glass punching the buttons because our normal producer, Bill, is... uh, not feeling well tonight. So, Bill, if you're listening, we certainly hope you feel better soon. I thought you were going to say ill for a minute, and I was going to say good job rhyming. Well, <laughs> ill, Bill. Bill is ill. Yeah, Bill is ill tonight. Uh, we hope you feel better, Bill. We definitely miss you here and uh, look forward to having you back next week. And uh, Cisco Scaramuza with us as well via the Race Chaser Skype line. And we're talking motorsports and having some fun here, of course, uh, Earlier today, Jacob and I were at the uh, Champions Week media event, which was at Top Golf in Charlotte, and uh, you'll be hearing a lot of clips from that on future shows here. But uh, we are going to talk right now about the Snowball Derby because it's kind of a big race. <laughs> yes, I'm underselling it. It's the biggest late model race or super late model race in the country, I would argue, or at least in the South. I would say the Oxford 250 would be the equivalent for the Northern super late models. But uh, Kyle Busch picking up the win over the weekend. Jacob, you were down there, and this is Kyle's second trip to Victory Lane. For those who aren't real familiar with the Snowball Derby, and I'd find that hard to believe, but if you're listening and maybe you're just not as familiar with the late models or the super late models as some other divisions, this draws about 60, 70 super late model cars for that race. You've got the Snowflake, which is a pro late model race, probably gets, what, Jacob, 50 or 60 of those? Yep. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, you've got other support divisions too, but we're focusing on the big race for this segment. Kyle Busch winning the Snowball Derby for the second time. And, you know, he he didn't light the scoreboard up until almost the very end of the race. He was there. He qualified okay, but not really what you would expect necessarily. And it seems like it took him basically the entire race to get the car the way they wanted it. But, Jacob, once they did, that brand-new rowdy chassis, Wow. I mean, he passed everybody that he needed to to get the win. This was not luck. He earned this one. Yeah, he definitely did earn it. And before we get into my analysis, I first want to say thank you again to Tim Bryant, to all the staff from Speed 51 that helps with the promotional efforts for the Snowball Derby and everybody that made it possible for me to go down there and be a part of this weekend. It was crazy. It was insane. But, Tom, it was the 50th, and that made it very special to be a part of. And you could feel it in the air all weekend. Every driver that was there knew exactly what they were there for. They knew how important it was to be able to win it. And you could tell the emotion in Kyle Busch's voice. You'll hear some of that in a minute about winning this race. It was really something that meant a lot to him. And you're right. He had to flat earn it and drive past two of the best short trackers in the country in Bubba Pollard, who dominated the race, and Jeff Choquette, who has also spent time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series over the years. I mean, these guys are all veterans of their craft and have done tremendous things in the sport. And for Kyle to do it the way he did it, he led the last 17 laps. This, for me, was a very unrowdy like race, but yet the result was the same. 
Uh, it was impressive. It was impressive that Kyle had the poise to wait, to be patient, and to know when he needed to go in order to get the job done. Well, I would imagine the post-race was probably pretty rowdy, but let's just shut up and let Kyle talk. This is huge. I mean, everybody dreams about winning a snowball derby, and I've been down here, and I've won it once before, and I've come down here other times, and obviously just not being able to get it the last time I was here, but uh, capitalizing today. And it feels really, really good today just because we had a really strong car in the long run. Uh, we outran those guys. We were able to drive through there and pass them, and it wasn't a short sprint to the end, you know, and on tires or anything like that. So I uh, just couldn't be more proud of my guys and everybody on this team and, and for what all they do and uh, how much hard work they do. With the restart, with 66 laps to go, did you figure there was going to be 66 green laps or you kind of didn't know? No, I didn't think there was going to be 66 green flag laps to the end, especially with some of those guys back there that took tires. Uh, you know, I figured that they were kind of going to try to work their way through the field and come through the field and there was going to be some accidents, just guys getting into guys, but that didn't happen. So everybody ran a good, smooth, clean race uh, for the most part and it was fun racing against Jaquette. I raced against him the last time I was here along with Eric Jones and it was fun racing against Bubba as always. He's one of the best of the best and the best there is and uh, so it was so much fun to, to just be able to put our car on top today. You know, there's a lot of things that make uh, these cars go around the racetrack and, and what makes our special hopefully is uh, is what made it fast today. Kyle, you said everybody dreams of winning one. Now you've got two, but this one's the 50th. How much more special is it today? Uh, today, it's special today. You know, <laughs> people are going to go into next year and, and they're going to see the program and they're going to see the, the whatever and it's just going to say, you know, 2017 Snowball Derby champion Kyle Busch, hopefully, hopefully. And they're not going to remember that it was the 50th, you know. So um, it's obviously really awesome this weekend, today, and um, and being able to capitalize like that. Kyle Benjamin's over there with the trophy. Do you get How much credit do you give him for working on this thing for you early in the week? He had me worried earlier in the week. So, uh, you know, I, I, told, I yelled at him a little bit the other day. But, no, he, he did a great job. I mean, we brought him down here and tested with him and just tried to uh, have him help understand what I wanted in the race car and what he could do to help us and make sure that we were on the right path and he didn't get us off in left field. So good job to, to Benjamin. You started your career on short tracks. When you win something like this, how much does it sort of rekindle that? You know, when you were 16, 17, 18, just starting and getting involved. And is it, you come to a local track and this like this event like this and win. You know, does it bring some memories back of how much in short track racing it means to you? Uh, I mean, yeah, it does. You know, they, they, I never ran big enough races like this when I was coming up through the ranks. You know, I came here when I was 17 and ran one snowball derby in 2002. But other than that, I ran in front of, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people at our local short track in Las Vegas, and that was it. So this is certainly a, a, a spectacle um, and nothing that I remember when I was growing up. So it's pretty amazing that, that the fans pull together and support this community and this racetrack in the way they do here. Well, you know, of course, uh, Kyle's pretty excited because he just won. And the thing about this next little clip is, Jacob, that you actually got a unique opportunity to spend some time one-on-one with him. Yeah, I did. And it actually happened after all was said and done and Kyle had successfully survived the Room of Doom. That would be the tech barn for those of you not uh, informed. Yes, Ricky Brooks, (laughs) who is the technical inspector largely for the Southern Super Series as well as traditionally at the Snowball Derby, has a sign in the back room where they confiscate parts and Ricky has his notes that says, It is what it is, which means it doesn't matter if you're Kyle Busch or Christopher Bell or Bubba Pollard or 
Chase Elliott, <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing that specific one up. Ricky will throw you out if you do not fit the rules. And luckily for Kyle, he fit the rules. It took about an hour and a half of waiting before all was said and done, but there was a visible sigh of relief after it was all done. And, you know, I got to thinking while we were waiting on this to be done, do you come back now? You know, now Kyle's got a second one, and so... When I got a chance after working with Andy G from Kyle Busch Motorsports to have a minute one-on-one with Kyle, got a chance to actually get some thoughts on both the fact that Kyle won in a car created out of the KBM shop and exactly what I just said, if he would ever return to the Snowball Derby. Let's hear. It's official now, Kyle. I know you said earlier, uh, probably. Can you breathe a little easier finally? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, no question when you get through uh, technical inspection, it makes things a heck of a lot easier and uh, and gives you a heck of a lot of relief. So, um, you know, I just can't thank my guys enough and everybody at KBM for this opportunity and the special times that they put in to work on these cars and make them so good for me. Does it mean even more knowing how much work went into building these cars out of KBM this time around? It does. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it's a little bit more special this time around maybe than the first time around just because this is a KBM car and this is something that we worked so hard for and and put all of our effort into versus the first time coming here. It was just a store-bought piece, you know, so um, certainly means a lot and and everything that, that we do as a company. Will we be able to see you come back here in the future now that you've got a second one? Um, I don't know, maybe. I think uh, I'll be pretty old by then, yeah. I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but um, maybe we'll we'll start the hashtag 51 for 51, you know what I mean? So we'll, It is the 51st next year. That's, that's what I mean, you know. So, you know, it'll be the first of the next 50, right? You know, so I don't know. We'll see. Kyle didn't shut the door, and for those who don't have supersonic hearing because he was about uh, 25 feet away from us at the time, that voice that you heard when Kyle made the comment afterwards that he'd be pretty old by then was his longtime PR rep, Andy G, going, maybe for the 75th. (laughs) Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because he won the 50th, and as he said, well, you know, his car number is 51 and it's going to be the 51st next year. And so what better a way to, uh, or what better an excuse, I guess, to use than a hashtag 51 for 51 and, exactly. uh, and get him back there to race again. But, you know, the thing is, Cisco, anytime Kyle Busch shows up at a short track, the short track racers that are there, I mean, for me, this is a little different than him running a truck race or Xfinity race. These guys going back to the short tracks is just great for connecting with the short track fans. And I think anytime he goes back and runs a race like this, it elevates the level for everybody else. And boy, they all almost got him, but not quite. Exactly. And this that's the other thing that separates this from him running something like a truck race, you know. He wasn't dominating the field by 25 seconds and, you know, coming around turns three and four when the rest of the field's in one and two. I mean, this is Kyle had to go out there and he had to race and he had to use every trick in his book to win this thing. So I am absolutely a-okay with him running this. And it just goes to prove that, you know, some of the best racing that we see in North America today isn't necessarily at the top level. It's at your local short track. Well, I think the majority of our listening audience would probably agree with that statement uh, for sure. And with that, we are going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about what else? More 
Snowball Derby, Snowflake, and anything to do with what happened at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida over this past weekend. We've got much more to come here on the Stock Car Show, and you know who presents it for us? HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. And now we're going away, but we will be back right after this on PMN Radio. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD.
I'm Dalton Sargent, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza with you talking race and talking snowball derby. And we just heard uh, from Kyle Busch, who won it. And in this segment, you're going to hear from second and third. And you know what, Jacob? It's kind of, when you look at this derby as compared to the last couple, three derbies, the last few have been more about the young guns and the up-and-comers than they have necessarily the super late model veterans of the day. This derby, in terms of the finish anyway, was more about the super late model veterans of the day than it was the young up-and-comers, although Harrison Burton certainly did a nice job to sneak into the top five. But I think in this Derby, what I look at when I think about the race itself and especially the results, good grief between Jeff Choquette and Bubba Pollard, you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about 225 or 230 laps led out of the entire race, and yet they end up second and third. It just goes to prove that you can lead all the laps you want, but the only one that counts is the one on the the one at the end when they throw the checker. Well, that's exactly right. And, Tom, I want to slightly amend something that you just said. In fact, prior to this year's running of the Derby, the previous six or seven derbies had all been won by teenagers going back to 2011. I guess that's six. So a six-pack of teenager victories. You had Chase Elliott winning in 2011. You had Eric Jones winning back-to-back in 2012 and 2013. John Hunter Nemechek winning in 2014. You had Chase Elliott winning in 2015. And then you had Christian Eckes winning last year's Derby over Nemechek uh, in a battle there to the end and this year it was all about the veterans except for a stint in the first half where Ty Majeski led some laps on an alternate tire strategy about 85 90 percent of this race was led by drivers 30 or over which is a stark departure. I mean, you even had Preston Peltier, who is originally from the East Coast but now resides in Colorado, start on the pole of this race while he never led a lap. Uh, He was still one of the heavy favorites going into the race. So, yeah, this was about uh, some of the more elder statesmen, so to speak, of the super late model class than what we've had. And Jeff Choquette was the standout to me. And inside of 50 to go up until Kyle finally hit the button and went, this to me felt like it was Jeff Choquette's race to lose. And the way I described it afterwards was that Kyle Busch instead simply found a way to win it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff was a very, very big part of the battle for the win in both the Snowflake 100 and the Snowball Derby. He had finished second in the Derby before, back in 2012, and for both he and Pollard, I thought it might have been their day at different points, and for Choquette, it was an extremely bitter second-place finish after being passed by Kyle with 17 laps to go. It was tough. I mean, it was tough to see him get out of the car and be so frustrated after the race. He 
legitimately felt like they should have won that race, and he said this was our best shot to win the Derby. And, Tom, it just didn't work out. No. Let's hear him talk about it. Jeff Choquette, a hard-fought 50th Snowball Derby. You've been on the podium a bunch, on the podium again today, but one spot short to one of the best ever. He said his car was really, really good on the long run. What were you missing to be able to stay ahead of him there at the end? I was just missing getting into the center, uh, so unstable there, uh, you know, to set the rest of the corner up. Um, <clears throat> it takes all four corners to be able to to be able to put a lap together here, and uh, even a straightaway too. So, um, got to be able to get in the corner, and then that's really what we fought all day is just getting it settled down to be able to, to get it pointed and get off. So, um, said this umpteen times, you know, two best in the country, the 51 and the 26, and we're right in the middle of them. Good effort by the Jet Concrete guys today. The amount of effort and the work that was put in this weekend by them guys, you know, Friday night before qualifying, we were pretty, pretty down and out, and then uh, scratching our head and trying to figure it out. And I, I told them somebody tell me how to drive this thing because I don't even know which if I'm coming or going. So, wind up uh, qualifying tenth, which is I feel is a good one for me, and uh, <clears throat> winding up second. You know, losing it with I don't know 15 to go, 20 to go, whatever it was. Um, it's a good day. I uh, hate to be second. Nobody, nobody likes to lose, but uh, good step in the right direction. You had two hellacious battles with Bubba, both in the snowflake and today. I mean, you mentioned he's one of the best in the country. It was so clean between you two. Uh, talk a little bit to the level of respect out there for 400 laps this weekend and just some of the hard racing on track between you two. From my side, I don't know if, if, if everybody would agree with me, but, uh, you know, you got... I've been I was in the Gong Show with Bubba when we were 18 years old, so we've been racing with each other a long time. I'll be 31 this year, so um, you know I uh, don't really know what to say there. Uh, you got two good drivers that are going to be fighting from the same position. He wasn't very happy with me with the pro car last night, but I don't see any wrecked race cars. I don't see any tore off bodies. So uh, if you don't want to be raced, you know, let me know and we'll do something different. And I want to add a little bit of perspective to this because it didn't get physical, but there was some very, very, very hard racing between Bubba and Jeff during both the Snowflake where they finished 1-2 and battled for the win all the way, as well as the Derby where they were running 1-2 and two up until Kyle Busch put the afterburners on and came up to spoil the party. We really all thought that it was going to come down to these two again at the end of 300 laps on Sunday, and if not for that 51, Tom, it would have. Now on the flip side of this coin, third place Bubba Pollard, after leading 155 of 300 laps and being the guy for most of this race, the final set of tires that they put on prior to the last restart with 66 laps to go, he said did not agree with the handling of the race car. It put them in a position where he wasn't as comfortable as he had been most of the race, and it was evident. He just wasn't able to have the pace that he had had for so much of the race. I mean, when he was out front and that car was by itself or even working through traffic at certain points, Bubba was an absolute rocket ship. To me, I thought Sunday was his day. I thought it was finally going to be the day where he broke the long streak of bad luck at the Derby. Uh, Let's keep in mind prior to Sunday that Bubba's best finish was fifth in the Derby twice, and other than that, he had either crashed or broken out of every single other Derby attempt that he had made. It's just, he's been snake bit, and 
to me, it felt like he was snake bit again on Sunday and really was the cause of a lot of frustration for him after the race. Well, I think he uh, talked to us a little bit about that frustration. Let's hear from him. Not the snowball derby victory that Bubba Pollard wanted, though a career performance in this race today. You dominated pretty much from the start, and then it just seemed like those last 75 or so laps, the car started to fade as the sun went down. Now, what was the difference? Nah, I just, we freed up on that this set of tires and getting ready for the last 50 laps. We didn't get a caution. That's pretty much it. For you, I mean, this is two days you had a pretty incredible battle with Jeff Choquette for much of this race. Uh, two veterans going at it. I guess if that's what you want to call it. He's a little rough, but it was a better day than last night. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's good hard racing today. Anything more in the final laps or just needed the caution? Just needed caution. That's all I had. He, uh, he, but he had the better car, so he had the better car when it mattered. Well, okay, so Bubba Pollard, you know, you get the feeling that, I mean, I watched the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers-Cincinnati Bengals game the other day, and I just kind of get that sort of feeling there between Bubba and Choquette that uh, there was some unnecessary roughness going on, at least in Bubba's mind, over the weekend with uh, Choquette. I didn't see it personally. I really didn't. I was watching both of them just enamored with how close they were able to race and, quite frankly, how well they were able to stay off each other. And I referenced it when I was talking to Choquette. I felt like there was a lot of respect there. But talking to both of those guys, they obviously disagreed in a lot of parts to that assessment. And, you know, again, I'll be honest, I really don't know why. I was excited to watch them battle. I thought it was a great battle and really one befitting of two of the great short track names of the current generation. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. They, they race against each other a lot in the Gulf South region of the U.S. And, you know, th- their paths will cross again, and it'll be interesting to see how this uh, kind of perceived rivalry ends up. Tom, I want to add a couple of notes really fast on okay. this edition of the Derby. You mentioned Harrison Burton. He was the one standout for the young guns that made it happen in this year's Derby. Finished fourth, a career effort for him so far in his young snowball Derby career. I think this was his third attempt on Sunday, and he comes away with a great top five finish. Cassius Clark, who needed oh. something to go right after a couple of weeks ago when the car barely made it for him to race the Mason-Dixon Mega Meltdown, and he sent King Racing off into the offseason with a tremendous run to finish fifth. Uh, You had Brandon McReynolds and Raphael Lassard both getting much needed top 10 finishes, especially in Brandon's case. He had been out of a car for virtually an entire year, gets the opportunity from KBR Development to come back and run the 20 car, one that Eric Jones had raced in the Slinger Nationals previously, comes away with a great uh, top 10 finish in the Snowball Derby. And on the flip side of that coin, I was disappointed for two young guys. Christian Eckes, who ended up pinned three laps down in 19th, just had to use the champion's provisional to get into the race and could never really find the speed he needed on race day. Uh, they struggled in qualifying, struggled in the race, and he just wasn't able to navigate traffic. That really was what hurt him. Ty Majeski, after leading some laps early in the race, uh, we thought he was going to be a contender, but a long green flag run dropped him two laps down and he was never able to be able to return 
after that. Of course, there was also a lap 91 crash that eliminated both Logan Boyette and Stephen Nassie, among others, in a vicious shot on the back straightaway. Boyette almost flipping in that super late model. Was glad to see them walk away. Just this Derby Tom rife with storylines that Honestly, we need the whole two hours to be able to get through all of them, but it was a tremendous race, and uh, coming up here in a few minutes, we'll actually get to talk a little bit more about some of the other support races that went on over the course of the weekend that had their own stories and winners this week. Cassius Clark is my favorite story of this entire race. I mean, for a northern guy to come south and the situation that Cassius Clark is in and do what he did and finished fifth is fantastic. If you're not familiar with the Northern, Northern uh, Super Late Models, they are called pro stocks up there. They're all over the place. It's just competition like crazy up there. About three big series for them, plus a lot of the weekly tracks run them. Cassius going south and really making good on that. And yes, I definitely would not want to finish this show without congratulating Brandon McReynolds because, you know, there's a guy who hasn't been in a race car in a bit and, you know, been doing some driver coaching and such and now gets back in the car, goes down to the biggest race of the year and finishes in the top 10. I know it's not the run he wanted, but certainly uh, a great story there for Brandon as well. A great weekend at the Derby for the late model types, and um, we definitely want to touch base in the next segment on the Snowflake and also the Modified Race that was a companion as well, not NASCAR Tour Mods, but more of the IMCA-style pavement mods. And uh, we'll talk about both of those when we come back around the turn. You are listening to The Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. 
So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Back to the show. Back to the Derby. Back to coverage of the weekend from Pensacola. Welcome back to us, and welcome back to you as well, all of you listening here on the Performance Motorsports Network. This is the Stock Car Show. I am Tom Baker. Jacob Seelman is with me. He's also punching the buttons behind the glass this evening and co-hosting at the same time. Always fun to watch him do double duty. And Cisco Scaramuza is with us via the miracles of modern technology. We are, as I mentioned, talking about the Snowball Derby. And let's switch gears for a minute and talk about a couple of the, I almost don't want to call the Snowflake a companion race because it's almost like a second main event. The pro late model event that takes place as compared to the Derby, which is the super late model division. Uh, if you're wondering what the difference is, basically the pro late model is to the super late model what a limited late model or a crate late model might be to a... Um, nascar style late model just a a little bit more economical a little bit of a different uh, motor configuration and such but talking about the snowflake we get that veteran influence again bubba pollard in the snowflake getting the win now this is what i find interesting jacob it seems like the entire weekend was really highlighted by these veteran drivers and bubba pollard is sort of one of those You almost have to put an asterisk there because, yes, he's a veteran of the super late models. No, we don't see him that often in the pro late models, but we've seen him most often this year in the dirt late models. He's not even been racing payment very much. So this was sort of a weird deal that uh, he ends up winning the snowflake. He ends up with a top three in the snowball and Augie Grill wins the modified companion. We'll get to him after, but Bubba Pollard sort of, I almost wonder if being on the dirt for a while didn't give him a little bit of an edge when he came back to payment as if it was kind of a reset button and maybe his driving just that little bit different to uh, keep him out of trouble and give him some good luck, even though I don't think he'd probably consider third in the the Derby very good, but he did get the snowflake win. Yes, he did. And he had a very specific reason, Tom, for wanting to run the snowflake this year. I'm not going to spoil it. We're going to hear from him in just a minute, and I'll let Bubba tell you exactly why he chose to build a car and run the Snowflake 100 for the Pro Late Models this year. This was a race that was rife with another battle between Bubba and Jeff Choquette. It was highlighted by a vicious crash on a restart at lap 21 that wiped out a third of the field, and... 
that was also a source of controversy after the race, which again, I won't spoil. I'll let Bubba tell you all about that. But it was a race in which it largely went green flag during the second half and allowed the veterans to stretch their legs, Tom. Uh, you know, a lot of clean racing, a lot of hard racing. And like you said, Bubba gets his second Snowflake 100 victory after previously winning the event in 2011. I think we have a quip, do we not? Let's hear it. Hi. Just talk to me a little bit about the strategy. Obviously, late in the race, wanted to go inside just because a few laps left. Well, I, I determine whether I'm going to go inside or outside on the car that's behind me or, or what they, the car has done previous uh, that's been on the inside or outside of me. And, and I watched Oquette. I wanted, to, I wanted to see what he had when I was there on the outside. And um, I could tell his car was getting tight on the restarts on the bottom. He can't keep it down. So I knew the last couple of restarts I had to pick the bottom just because I knew he couldn't get a run. He'd get tight and wanted to and couldn't get a run off, too. You don't run, don't run a lot of asphalt races, period, let alone pro races. You come out here and just whip them again. Yeah, we built this car. Man, I just, I, I mean, tell it like it is. We built this car because it was 18 and Casey Roger won every pro race there was this year. So we felt like we, we could compete with them. And so we built a race car, and we've won the last two out with it since it was new so it's pretty good tell me about that one restart where, where you bunched up behind you did you miss a shift or no you just kinda... it wasn't it's not my fault i maintained when the leader has yeah. the right to choose when he wants to start and we choose within a box the first two restarts i, I chose the first line this third restart i chose the third the second line he anticipated i was going to go on the first line so the leader has to be leading by the second line so it was all his fault he jumped too early and I mean, it makes it makes me look like the bad guy, but hell, he's the one that caused it. <laughs> you gotta love Bubba Pollard. If he's got something to say, he's already said it. Yeah, and there isn't an ounce of sugar on that coating. Okay, so again, for those of you maybe didn't quite get what went on there, we have in short track racing. In a lot of short track racing, we have a restart box now. It used to be that the flagger would control all the starts and restarts. Not anymore. We have a restart box. It's two lines on the track, usually on the wall. And the leader has the option to fire whenever he wants, as long as he's reached the first line and, ha- and he can fire anywhere after that that he wants to. Well, Apparently, he had been firing mostly at the first line, Jacob, and you can verify this because you were there. But this particular restart, he fired a little later at the second line. And and see, there's this old cliche about what happens when you assume. There was a whole lot of assuming going on behind him. People figured he was going to fire where he usually does, and he fooled them and waited an extra half second to fire, and it uh, sort of caused a mess. Yeah, it did. But let's also keep in mind that this idea of the restart box is something that is also used in all three of the NASCAR National Series nowadays. Yeah, as I well. should have I should have said instead of short track racing, asphalt racing, you don't see it much on the dirt. Correct. You don't. There are select series where we see that. But plain and simple, Bubba Pollard outfoxed everybody. Yeah. Like you said, they all assumed it didn't work. And I hate that it took out a lot of good cars. You know, Perry Patino, who was the 51 Pro Late model and has been receiving a lot of uh, advice and being mentored by Augie Grill, 
ended up with a car on top of his windshield as a result of this. I mean, there were a lot of really good cars that were taken out in this mess, and I just felt like it was unfortunate. I don't blame Bubba. Uh, it's a product of the system, honestly. You yeah. know, you play within the hand that you're dealt, and the system can lead to things like this sometimes. It's just racing at the end of the day. Well, I'm not a big fan of restart boxes, personally. I think that was a... That was one of those ideas that got planted into the sport. It was a solution to a problem that in my mind didn't exist. Just let the flagger do it, and then you don't have any of these issues. But Cisco, in this particular situation, and you've obviously been around a lot of different types of racing, in this particular situation, you can't blame Bubba Pollard. You have to blame the field behind him who just simply thought, and assumed that he was going to fire what he usually did instead of being patient and waiting for him to fire and then going. And Jacob could tell you a story. We don't have time for the story about a certain E.J. O'Rourke of who learned that lesson very quickly when he wrecked <laughs> the field in an iRacing race, including myself, by the way, going for the win. But yeah, it was completely in his right to go whenever he wants to in the box. And, you know, it's you get you get honed into that feeling of, Oh, yeah, that's totally when he was going to go. And people do it all the time on the sim. They do it all the time in short track races. Completely A-OK by me. Okay, so with that, let's uh, switch gears quickly. The Modifieds had a uh, companion race as well. And another wily old veteran named Augie Grill came away with the win. And I think we have uh, some sound from Augie post-race as well. A three-time winner of a derby, I mean, that's that's your own company at that point. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I thought we could get it earlier. We've had good cars down here in the modified race quite a few times and just hadn't been able to capitalize on it at the end. And uh, finally was able to put it together. Just want to thank John Howell with BMF Shocks and Chassis. Uh, he put this thing together for us. and. It's three for four. We've run it four times and won four, three races. Oh, really? So, uh, okay. Yeah. Insofar as this, you know, this event, this weekend is so special for you now to win it in three classes. I mean, what is it about this racetrack that just seems to work for you? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I've, I've run good since the first time I ever came here, and uh, I've obviously run good in a bunch of different kind of cars. I don't, I don't know if it necessarily suits me, but uh, I seem to get around here pretty decent. I'd say pretty decent is an understatement. And let's talk a little historical significance here before we go to break. Augie Grill becoming the first driver in the history of Snowball Derby Weekend to win races in the super late model, pro late model, and modified divisions, which are the top three classes that run during the week of the Snowball Derby. He's a two-time Derby winner in 07 and 08, three-time Snowflake 100 winner most recently in 2016, and now has a modified win on his resume <laughs> in 2017. It was good to see Augie get back to victory lane, Tom. It's been a while for that 112, but as he said, he's now won three times in that car this season in the modified, that is. So, uh, you know, good on him. He led almost all of the 75 laps. Jeez, I don't know. I, I'm not sure we should have let that out in case Kyle Busch was listening. He's liable to build a modified <laughs> and a pro late model to go uh, try and equal that next year. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> I think some of the folks at Kyle Busch Motorsports might have a few things to say. Well, you never know. It, uh, that could very well be. At this moment, we are going to step aside when we come back. It's sort of continuing to talk derby, but we're going to hear from a driver who raced 
in uh, the Derby. Cole Williams going to join us and uh, look forward to hearing from Cole as we continue with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. such a contrast to a lot of the other bumper music we play little bad bad leroy brown by jim croce and uh we've got uh bad bad cole williams about to uh come out of the pits and go full throttle with us via the race chaser phone line and uh definitely excited to have cole on cole 
got himself a big win at Bristol earlier this year and went down and has just completed his first ever uh, weekend at Pensacola as a driver ran the snowflake. Cole, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. And even though I know we want to talk to you about the snowflake, I want to start with the Bristol win because, you know, that's one of those things that every short track racer would love to be able to say at some point in their career. I won at Bristol. Yeah, Bristol was a, a big deal for our, our little team. Um, we kind of took it as a, a Daytona 500 for late model racing and um, being able to go up there. And, and the win like we did was, was really cool for the whole team. And it was just a, a big weekend, um, just the build up and everything around it throughout the, the first couple of days with practices and stuff like that. They, Bristol really put on a really good show for, for us. And it was really exciting when it all, um, when we ended up winning. Talk a little bit about racing on that track. I mean, that's just one of those things that, I mean, I've spotted for a UAR race up there at one point. That is just, for a late model of any kind, that is a super speedway, pretty much the way that it races with the banking. Yeah, it's it's a really fast racetrack. Um, people are asking me what you could really compare it to, and I said, really, it's kind of a beast of its own. Um, the the full two forces and stuff in the corner. It's a little bit different than like Winchester or Salem, where, where the late models go to. Um, the you get in that corner and you really don't lift on sticker tires, and that's kind of an odd feeling for all of us whenever we go to most of these tracks where you're driving it in and breaking. So just kind of get yourself in a habit of be able to stay in the gas it's almost kind of like a super speedway for us so that was kind of a, a fun deal to, to try to figure out and see who could do it quicker than everyone else and I, I, at the end of the weekend i think we we kind of figured it out um pretty well um frank kimmel actually stopped by um thursday during practice and was giving me some tips from what he heard from matt cross and stuff when they go to his mile half and stuff just to try in the race and the sun tires and I tried that, and it kind of benefited us on the long run, the, the conserved tires for us um, throughout the race. Cole, you and I talked over the weekend in regards to this being your first time at Pensacola for the Snowball Derby weekend and racing in the Snowflake 100. Uh, you're no stranger and actually ran a few times at Pensacola earlier in the year, but talk a little bit about what the experience was like for you this past weekend at the flake because it's one of those where i think we all agreed it was kind of crazy kind of hectic but there was a lot of emotion and a lot of significance about this particular weekend oh for sure the snowball derby's been a a a long race that's um, been going on for a long time and it being built up for the 50th anniversary was really a big deal um for the super late malls and pros and there was a, I mean, the car count showed. Everyone was really excited, and there was a lot of cars. I think there was over 100 late models that um, was on the premises for the weekend. So it was all the best of the best. So you really had to have all your equipment together and made sure that you were performing at your your best to be able to compete. And just knowing that you're you're running with the best, uh, it makes you feel good when you perform really well. It kind of um, shows you where you're at and are with um, the rest of the field um, throughout the country. So, yeah, the whole atmosphere and everything and the fans really showing up for the whole deal. I think the, it was a sellout for the snowball. So, I mean, the fans really participated in the whole thing, and without them, none of it would have been possible. So, I mean, it was just a fun weekend overall, even yeah. with all of our adversity. 
talk a little bit about that because obviously for you guys to overcome everything you did just to have a shot at running forward in the field I know was important to you guys and uh, perhaps if it wasn't for the fact that you were kind of in the mid-pack when that big wreck broke out on the restart you guys were showing early in the race that you had pace to run among those guys in the top five I mean this car had speed yeah we had our struggles throughout the weekend just um with small problems that we had to fix and it kind of hurt our practice um time that we wanted to get the track time and we really didn't get to focus as much on qualifying as we wanted to as some of the teams did so we really tried to hunker down and focus on our um, long run um pace and i felt like all weekend i felt really confident that we had a really good strong long run car it was just the, we kind of put ourselves in a deeper in the field than i wanted to um starting 20th but i knew that as long as we could keep the, the nose clean, you know, some of those situations, you don't know if you're going to make it out or not, that we were going to be able to compete up front. Um, an example was um, Spencer Davis and um, Anthony Cataldi, I think it is. They both ran, um, were back there with them, and they ended up making it up there the second and third. We was all right there together. So I knew we had the car to, to make it up there and at least compete for a top five, if not for the win. But it was just a matter of luck. We ended up getting caught with a, a really wreck which it didn't hurt us too bad but it was enough cosmetic damage that hurt our arrow on the nose and we we fought a push the rest of the race but um i'll take a 13th out of out of that whole race um there was more cars in that wreck and came out with a lot more damage than we did so i take it as a positive for us for, especially with our um, first time going and Cole, you had a fantastic May and kind of early July. I mean, you won back to back at I forty four. You got the win at Bristol, obviously. And uh, talk a bit about kind of you know this season. Like you said, you've you had some great you know kind of places in the teens, but also had some great success, especially during that stretch. What's kind of your feeling for your whole season, just in general? This was kind of a test for our team this year. We. We were running for a championship and kind of staying consistent with one track. And um, this year we decided to venture out and kind of tour a little bit, starting out with watermelon. And we ended up um, with a strong finish and finishing second there. And uh, it kind of built our confidence up the, that maybe we could actually tour and, and be pretty competitive, you know, to do it for the first time. And it showed we ended up um, being successful at Bristol and then going to the I-44 and winning the Mercy Race, which I've been wanting to win for a long time. And people always ask me, I say, they always ask me, which ones did you, did you like win the most, um, Bristol or I-44? I always say I-44 just because I've, for the last three or four years, it's been a, a race I've, I've came close to winning and something either happens or we come short. So that one was definitely a huge accomplish it, accomplishment for for me and my team. And, um, yeah, we, we had a really good season all year. Um, we had some mediocre races here and there. But um, overall, I, I feel like it was a, a definite positive for for our overall um, performance, and I feel like we got a lot of notes, and we've made a lot of contacts and resources that we can um, move along with in the 2018 season. Talk a little bit about that, because you and I were talking over the weekend, and one of the big goals that you guys have is you're in the process of putting together a program to hopefully run some more super late model races. I know you ran one or two of those this year, but uh, trying to make the step up in the world for 2018. Oh, for sure. We're definitely excited um, moving up to super late model next year, especially with our own team. Um, we'd actually be in the, I'm kind of anxious to, to see the car this weekend at the PRI show. It'd be in the Port City booth. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a big stepping stone for our team. Um, 
it's definitely going to be a new territory with um, your big names like Chiquette and you got Harrison Burton and Bubba Pollard and all of them that's that's big hitters, heavy hitters, and super late mile racing. So we're definitely going to have a learning curve, and I definitely think that on the long run, I think we're going to be able to compete with them. But it's going to be a long road, but um, I definitely think our team's going to be um, capable of doing anything with um, the determination that they have. Well, Cole, we don't want to uh, get you out of here without giving you an opportunity to talk about who makes it happen for you, because obviously this sport is built on relationships uh, and partnerships. So uh, talk about who makes it happen for Cole Williams in uh, this sport. Oh, for sure. Um, definitely got to give um, God the, the glory. Um, without him, none of it would be possi- possible, um, especially my parents. Um, they've definitely um, brought me up the, the best way that they think was possible to go through my racing career, and I can't thank them enough for, for what they've done for me, especially my team. Um, they're, they're, I always, we call them the Blue Crew, and I always think they're one of the most hardworking teams that you can you can put on your, your race car, and I can't thank them about, um, enough. But, of course, I thank Bordeaux Medals and Colonel Services, my two primary sponsors. Um, they help a ton each and every year, and they're on board again for 2018, which I'm thankful for. And then, of, of course, my um, Phil Harper, um, MMR Engines, Port City Race Car. Um, we actually had Brandon Ernest help us a lot um, for Pensacola this weekend. It was a huge help. Got to thank him for all the support and looking forward to um, working with him in 2018. And just all of our um, smaller sponsors that help us throughout the year. Um, Will Chill and all of them, they're really good guys. And we're going to actually see them this weekend. Can't wait. They're a good group of guys. But there's, there's a lot of partners and stuff that help us, and I can't thank them all enough for, for what they do for us. Where can the fans keep up with you, Cole? My most active on social media is actually Instagram. Um, if you want to follow me personally, is at Cole Williams. And then um, you can follow my racing um, page on Facebook, Cole Williams Racing. Um, that's my most active for um, Facebook. But, um, yeah, you, you follow those and keep you updated on my next race in 2018 and so on. Well, congratulations on the success that you had this year. Big win at Bristol. Every race car driver I know would love to have any kind of trophy, first place trophy from Bristol on their mantle, and you got one. So good job for that, and good luck in 2018. We'll look forward to talking to you again down the road. And with that, we go off into another break. When we come back, we switch gears and go way north to New England and hear from Kyle Souza about Modified Tour and all kinds of other good stuff. So stick around. We got much more to come on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun. 
go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. It's time to catch up on the latest from the New England racing scene. On the Stock Car Show, here's Tom Baker with Kyle Souza. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsports. Here on PMN Radio, HMSMotorsport.com, the leaders in motorsport safety. And we are right now going to talk about the leader and the permanent winner of the 2017 NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Series champion, Doug Kobe. It seems like every year lately we're doing the same thing at the same time of year. We're coming to Charlotte for a banquet, and we're going to hand Doug a big-ass trophy. Yeah, once again, Doug Kobe celebrating uh, down here in Charlotte again uh, tomorrow night as part of the NASCAR Touring Series Championship Ceremony over at the Convention Center. You know, this has been four straight years for him, the fifth overall time he's going to do this. And this past week, Tom, I took a chance I uh, went back through the NASCAR Home Tracks YouTube channel, which all of our listeners can do as well, and listened to a couple of the speeches uh, that Kobe had given over the last couple of years. And I did that for one reason, because when Friday night comes around and we listen to him, I already know exactly what he's going to say. Uh, the only additions are Mayhew Tools was brought on board, and he's going to thank them as a sponsor. So I think we got a good gist of what Doug's going to say on Friday night, but this is a big accomplishment for him, Phil Moran, and the Mike Scariglio team uh, four straight, fifth overall, and recognized again uh, this season down in Charlotte. And Jacob, you know, five championships. He's adding another one to his legacy this year, but this one a little bit different. He had to come from behind uh, to do it. I think that's what made this one a little bit more special. I'm not so sure that we do know, Tom, everything that Doug Kobe's going to say, because Kyle's right. He didn't win this in the traditional dominate everything, step on their throats, I kill you sort of championship this was interesting in the way it all played out yes it's the same result but still stop doing puppet imitations on the show uh you know i think that uh 
I think the speed should be pretty much the same. I mean, I, look, at the end of the day, you can only say so much <laughs> after the fourth time or fifth time you've done this. And look, I'm not dissing Doug or the team or anything else or the accomplishment. I'm in awe of it, honestly. He has had a run, and that team has had a run of success, Kyle, on the tour in a time when, in theory, this should not be able to happen. The cars are similar. The technology is similar. I mean, there are so many good teams. This should be as even, Steven, as it gets, and it should be virtually impossible to win four or five of these in a stretch of years the way he has. But, you know, I think that really is a testament to the amount of preparation and the attitude of that team that you can bring us down but you're not going to knock us out. And that's, you know, that's really what this year was about. He had a couple of hiccups early and he had one or two races in the middle that didn't quite go the way that he would have preferred they go. But at the end of the day, Doug Kobe again is the champion. You, you just can't keep a good team down. Two words, Phil Moran. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think Phil Moran is a big part of that. You know, I don't take away from Kobe's driving style at all, but Phil's, uh, work ethic in the shop, and there was a couple things this year that were thrown at them that were curveballs that they didn't expect and they struggled with. Obviously, they were involved in a couple wrecks, which they hadn't really dealt with that much over the last couple of years. The second thing and the bigger thing, I think, was the softer tire that you could put on the right rear in the middle of the race, yeah. and that kind of threw them for a curveball at a lot of tracks. It cost them a couple wins that they had the best car in the first half of the race, and then when everybody pitted, you know, they didn't run the strategy right. They didn't have that softer tire on the right rear whether they elected not to or it just didn't work out that they did. You know, that threw them a curveball this year, and they were able to work through that. So, again, a testament to Phil, the owner, Mike Smiglio, again, putting all the money out there uh, to get them exactly what they need, along with their sponsors. Of course, Dunleavy's back again. AJ Romano Construction's kind of uh, under the woodworks. So they've helped them out a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, and the big one this year, Mayhew Tools, which did a lot for him tour-wise as well, though. They did a lot. Uh, to get the series back on its footing a little bit uh, and at least help the series go out there into a major market like that with that sponsor. So another celebration for Doug, Jacob. Those cars have been down in the Hall of Fame for a couple of days now for the visitors to see. Another celebration, though, another car that's in there, uh, Ryan Priest is number six. Of course, he drove the car this year in what probably would have been a driver's championship if he ran all the races uh, but owner's championship for Ed Partridge, that car is down there as well. And they're going to be recognized as the 2017 owner's champion. I think we've said it before, but the first time in tour history uh, that there's a different owner and driver champion. I think that's something else as a storyline going into this banquet on Friday night. Uh, Partridge has worked hard with Priest. They finally got it uh, together, the two of them. And Priest, of course, is going to run some Xfinity races on a at least a bigger scale next year. So he's probably going to be facing the same thing if they're going to run for a championship it's probably going to be that owner's title again and that's where i wanted to go here because as much as we're gushing about kobe and phil moran and that whole team mike smariglio's operation you really wonder if ryan priest had been able to run the entire schedule you you wonder if this could have been a different outcome because i think we've got to shout throw some major props jacob to that Priest Partridge team because despite missing, what, two or three races, they still were in the hunt for the championship 
almost right to the very end, and I really wonder how much different this might have been if they'd run the full schedule. And of course, next year, not even you know, with Ryan's hectic schedule in Xfinity, they probably won't even be able to run for the owner's championship. Well, we don't know about that. Because of course, they we... can do that with multiple drivers, right? Of course yeah, they can. So, yeah, so I guess they could. But here's the deal. We don't know when the races are that Ryan Priest is going to run well, next that's true. year. Yeah. We don't know if they might not work around the Wheel and Tour races. And let's keep in mind the Wheel and Tour is much more spread out uh, than it has been in past years for 2018. So we don't know that Ryan might not run both his Xfinity commitments and run for a Tour championship next season. It would be an interesting look if well, he did. So we just have to kind of wait and see on that. But... Tom, to your point about what might have been, I don't have to wonder what might have been. If Ryan Priest runs those two races that he missed at Langley and at New Hampshire in the fall, he wins this championship by a fairly wide margin. Let's remember, they won the owner's championship by almost an entire race and those two races, one run by George Brunholzl the third at Langley and the other run by John McKennedy at Loudoun, neither of those two finishes were anything to write home about. They weren't great. So if you put Ryan Priest in the car and go tell him, you know, we need to run top five and contend for a win, and Ryan does that, you're probably talking about a 50 or 60 point win in the Drivers Championship when all is said and done, Tom. Well, that's kind of what I was saying is it as much as we want to give credit to Kobe and we should, of course, because everything we said, I believe is the truth. I think you really have to give a lot of credit to this, uh, the six team too, because those guys really hung together all year long and, you know, not to diminish what the other two guys did in their opportunities in the car. But I agree with you. I think we could very well have been talking about a different champion. Now, that being said, the the one thing that I think we can agree on, Kyle, is that with Ryan Priest running 10 to 12 races or so instead of two or three races, the chances that more races are going to interfere with the modified effort are certainly going to be higher. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a question that, you know, a question we should certainly ask come Friday night down there. I'd be interested to ask Ed Parches what his plans are, because he had told me before that uh, there was a good possibility that if Priest couldn't run full time, they would you know, not do that. So it's interesting to see uh, what's going to happen there. Interesting to see that celebration uh, there on Friday night in Charlotte, you know, a great recognition uh, for these two teams to be able to be recognized there at the, uh, the hall of fame and glad that their cars are in there as well. I saw that come out on Twitter a couple of days ago, their cars were going to be in there. I know they've done that before, but those fans that are going down there, uh, to see the Hall of Fame and to see Charlotte, that's a great addition to the Hall of Fame. I've been there many times before. A great facility. They do a great job uh, remembering the sport, and I think those cars being there are a great addition. One other thing I do want to touch on, uh, though, Jacob and Tom, about that banquet situation with the Wheel of Modified Tour. There's some other awards that obviously are going to be given out. You know, I don't know the 100% specifics, but every year NASCAR recognizes a lot of the drivers on the tour. There are a lot of drivers that ran well this year. Timmy Salamito, Justin Bonsignor coming close again to the championship. Yep. You know, before Max Zackham got injured, he had a chance at running in the top five. So those guys are going to be recognized a little bit as well uh, down in Charlotte this week. I think uh, we should mention that. Absolutely. Definitely, Kyle. And I do want to ask, as we get into talking about some of these awards, let's 
note that Calvin Carroll will be honored as the Sunoco Rookie of the Year for the tour for 2017. But there's one other award that normally is conducted through a vote at hometracks.nascar.com, Kyle, but I've not heard a peep about the most popular driver awards for any of the NASCAR Touring Series this year. Do you know anything as to what we're going to see or if we're going to see that this weekend? Yeah, I'm not going to spoil what's going to happen there on Friday night, but sources have told me that they have uh, decided on a most popular driver for the Wheel Modified Tour, not with a fan vote. Uh, That was an interior decision between the drivers, the teams, and the officials of NASCAR. So I don't want to spoil what that's going to be, but we'll see uh, what comes out on Friday night. As far as the other touring series, that is a good point. I'm not 100% sure on what's going on there. The Wheel Modified Tour, though, uh, sources have told me that that has already been decided on and that will come out as part of the banquet. So I'll be excited to see that. I think it's going to be a great ceremony on Friday. Of course, we're going to have uh, a remembrance of the whole season, a look back quickly at what happened. Uh, and of course, Jacob and myself will be there Friday night. So we'll have uh, Tom will be there all weekend with us as well. So we'll have uh, some of the latest content from the banquet as well. And, of course, Jacob will be talking to some of the drivers for the future uh, to see who we can talk to over the next couple of weeks. This winter season kind of slowing things down up here in New England, and these banquets are a good time to to come together, remember the season, and then go about uh, next season and see what's going to happen there. Well, it should be interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on in New England when we return. You are listening to the Stock Car Show presented by our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. 
how to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. We are back on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport right here on PMN Radio. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and with us, Kyle Souza, our New England correspondent, who also scribes for our friends at Area Auto Racing News and is a part of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR team covering the Wheelan Modified Tour. And Kyle, uh, of course, you also cover New England racing in general, and you'd think this would be the off-season, but it's really not. Uh, a lot of schedule announcements coming out and, and some interesting stuff going on up there with regard to some of that. Yeah, some interesting schedule tidbits uh, we didn't mention last week. Of course, last week we talked about, if you missed it, we talked about the Stafford Motor Speedway and the Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park. Of course, their schedule's coming out last week. Uh, they've got their annual icebreaker and World Series at Thompson and the Sizzler and Fall Final at Stafford as well with some interesting stuff in the middle. So check that out. Uh, of course, you can always listen to the show from last week to hear what we talked about and visit their website. Another interesting track, though, that released their schedule this year, guys, uh, already for next year is Seekonk. Uh, a little bit different than what we've seen in the past couple of years for multiple reasons. Uh, their opening weekend is going to remain the same. Their divisions are going to remain the same, minus the elimination of their, their mini-cup division on Friday nights. And they're still going to have two nights of racing. But what's a little bit different for next year is the fact that there's going to be some Saturday nights that we're not going to be racing. Uh, instead, they're going to run their thrill shows that are would normally run on Sunday on Saturday, which is something a little bit different than we've seen in the past couple of years. So there's going to be some time off uh, for the Saturday night regulars at different weeks in the season. Now, you can visit their website to learn the exact dates of those Saturdays off, but the thrill shows are on dates like July 7th, uh, August 4th, September 1st. So those Saturdays, the Wheel and All-American Series division will actually have the night off. And the track's saying uh, in a statement, the general manager, David Alburn, saying, uh, quote, we hope that the time off helps the team be able to enjoy quality time off with their family during the best weekends of the summer, end quote. So David saying that uh, the feedback that they had gotten from the drivers, uh, the drivers asking for a little bit of that time off, not many, just a couple extra weeks, maybe two or three in the middle of the season, giving them some time off. And Jacob, I think uh, that's good. A little bit of a break for these guys to hang out with their family in the summer. Of course, racing's their life away from their life, but uh, they still need to have that little bit of a break in the middle. Absolutely. It gets grueling after a while. We all go through it, whether on the media side or the driving side. It just gets to a point where you need that little bit of decompression space, and I'm glad that Seekonk recognizes that and is giving that uh, somewhat to the drivers for the 2018 season. I think it'll be a good move, and it ought to help the racing, too, to give these guys a little bit of room to reset. And, of course, we can't forget that the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour returns to Seekonk on June the 2nd for a early summer date. So that's going to be fun. But Kyle, I wanted to go back to something you said because it's actually the first time I've heard you talk about it on this show. So please enlighten 
me and our listeners, because I'm dead curious. Seekonk Thrill Shows. Explain. Yeah, so a Seekonk Thrill Show is basically a spectacle. If you haven't been to one and you're up here, uh, it's something definitely to go to. However, if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're into circle track racing and you don't like destruction, don't go. But uh, the thrill shows are basically destruction. Uh, they've got truck and car enduro races. Spectator, well, the spectator drags are not destruction, I hope. Uh, but they've got spectator <laughs> they drag races. You can bring your car right off the street and enter. Uh, make sure you've got good car insurance just in case. Yeah. Uh, and then, they, you know, they've got all kind of stuff. They have fireworks at a couple of them. They're going to have monster trucks next year again, uh, something that's been a big hit. So those thrill shows moving from Sunday to Saturday, of course, eliminating – the Wheel and All-American Series racing for that night. But those thrill shows really pack Seacock. I've been to some of them, uh, obviously, since I worked there. And uh, those thrill shows really pack the stands well. Uh, and they put on a great show. So that's what a thrill show is. It's basically a big a big party with destruction and street racing all at once. Jacob, you mentioned the thrill shows. I'll also mention that there are two other modified dates uh, after the one you mentioned, of course. The annual Tri-Track Open Modified Series, the Open Wheel Wednesday, uh, coming up next year on June 27th, the $10,000 to win modified race with the Nima Midgets coming back. And the Tri-Track will visit a second time again with the Haunted 100, the second annual on October the 27th. Tom, these modified races, Seacon cutting back a little bit uh, from more modified races. They've dropped it to three, but these are three intense Big races for 2018. Well, they are, and I want to know what your opinion is about the tour race moving up in the schedule because Seekonk, where it was, where it has been positioned, right around Labor Day, give or take a week, uh, right around Oswego, and it's kind of it, it's later in the series, kind of a bigger deal at that point in the season in terms of you know championship on the line, that kind of thing. Now it moves to June. And you'd say, well, maybe it's not quite as important to the end of your championship as far as the positioning of it. But there's something about a modified race in the middle of the summer when it's really warm and a beautiful day out. I mean, I think that's an awesome time in Massachusetts to have a big show like that. What do you think this is going to do in terms of the, the race itself moving it up that far? Yeah, I think this race, uh, you know, I've been thinking about that as well. I think the move is great, and I think the move, really, Jacob, I know we've talked about this a lot, me and you, but this really kicks off that summer stretch. It really puts things in high gear. I know they have breaks, you know, after a couple weeks after that before they have another race, and then they have a race, and then some more break. You know, the schedule, as you mentioned, is really spread out. But this really creates an opportunity for somebody to win that race and get on a real roll of momentum. Uh, going through that heavy-hitting summer months. That Seacock race over the last couple of years, of course, we saw uh, Doug Kobe win this past year. The year before, it was Timmy Salamito. That was the first two times they've returned since 2005. But I think moving that race up into the heat of the summer, first of all, is going to help the crowd capacity. Uh, the beginning of the summer, people are going to be energized and ready to go for that. And then it's also going to help these guys that need a little bit of momentum. Those guys that can run well on the bullring-style tracks are going to take that momentum, I think, Going forward. Now, momentum, you know, we talked about momentum a lot on this show, and we're also going to talk about it now with another driver up here, Tom, that doesn't run on the Wheel Modified Tour. He doesn't run on a lot of the Tour type series, minus a one off appearance here and there. His name is Keith Rocco, and he runs in the SK Modifieds at all three Connecticut tracks. This year, he won all three Connecticut championships at all three tracks Waterford, Thompson, and Stafford. Now, of course, we know Waterford, not NASCAR sanctioned, so that 
in, in you know, up in quotes, doesn't count uh, for NASCAR. But Keith winning all three of these titles this year, the first driver to do that in the many, many years of racing in Connecticut, a huge accomplishment for him and something I know he's been chasing for a long time. And the thing is, Jacob, okay, so he won all three track titles and then, of course, uh, won the, the state championship as well for NASCAR. And the thing about this is, again, this is a division where you're not supposed to be able to dominate like that. So many good drivers, big fields, good cars, you know, and yet Keith Rocco goes out and just puts together a magic season. I mean, it's it is an amazing accomplishment for him to be able to do what he did. Absolutely it is. And let's stop and consider some of the guys that run in the SK Modifieds that could have had a shot to dethrone Keith Rocco at different points throughout the season. Ryan Priest, who we've talked about at length on this show the last couple of weeks. Chase Dowling was trying to do it at Stafford for the longest time. Of course, the late Ted Christopher was nipping at Keith's heels for a while in the early part of this season. This is not a division, Kyle, for the faint of heart. And the fact that Kid Rock again and again and again continues to put together performance like this, it's remarkable, quite frankly. And I honestly never thought that I would see somebody win all three track titles in the same season. But, you know, if anybody's going to do it, I always said it was going to be one of two people, Keith Rocco or Ted Christopher, and we have our answer there. Yeah, and Keith is going to be recognized as well uh, this week at the banquet down there in Charlotte. Well-deserved, obviously. This has become a big family affair uh, for Keith and his entire family. Of course, his wife and his the rest of his family there with him as his children. Uh, this has become a big thing for him. And to do it this year, you know, with his son right there in victory lane with him every single week, turning the wrenches on the car, you know, hypothetically, uh, it's been a great season for him and a great accomplishment. I do want to mention that Keith won uh, the Stafford and Thompson Division One track title, so he'll be recognized for that. There's also going to be another ceremony when it comes to Connecticut short track racing that's going to take place. That is the Connecticut State Championship, uh, the overall championship for the two tracks. That winner this year, the late Ted Christopher, uh, winning the Connecticut State Championship, the province title for NASCAR. So, of course, Ted passing tragically in September uh, in route to a race at Riverhead of the Wheeler Modified Tour. But he had been very successful uh, this year. Obviously, one of his most successful years in the Connecticut State uh, in 2017 before his passing. He beat out Rocco by 13 points. He won seven times in 22 races and had 15 top 10 finishes. So big year for Ted. I know uh, he's going to be recognized down there as well. Interesting. I mean, it's this is really a, an opportunity for us to sort of think about what could be for 2018. And we start after this weekend to look ahead and you look at, you know, Keith Rocco probably going to run a similar schedule, I would imagine, Jacob. And, you know, it's one of those scenarios where you ask yourself, could he possibly pull that kind of an accomplishment off again? One track championship against this kind of competition within this division is a really strong feat to be able to win three is just unbelievable. And you ask yourself, could he pull this off again? Cause I dare say it would be hard for anybody to duplicate that even with the one sweep of the, the titles, let alone try to uh, try to double up. Yeah. I would say that if anybody can do it again, yeah, 
I mean, Keith is the guy. Still at the top of his game. Absolutely he is, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. No, we'll just neither. have to wait and see what the schedule is for Keith in 2018, and we know we'll see that sooner rather than later. Kyle, uh, before we go off into the night here, I want to give you a chance to recognize a few of the other champions and award honorees that are coming up out of the New England NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series awards that we're going to see on Friday night, because I know there were a few names in particular that kind of stuck out this year. Yeah, another name uh, that had a really great year up here in New England was Dave Darling, winning the Division One title at Seacock. He won eight of the 16 races in the Super Late Mile Division, so half the races. Uh, that Super Late Mile Division is extremely competitive. It's extremely hard to get a car to go well around Seacock and uh, his team able to do that this year to win him a division one title uh the other couple i want to mention todd patnode won another title up at Manadnock this year in their division one sports and modified todd has been running there for a long time uh successful again this year and another young name we're starting to hear a little bit about up here in new england of course with the pro all-star series uh reed lanford winning the beach ridge division one and the main state championship uh this year up here in new england jimmy zacharias also successful in new york this year uh, guys like that going to be honored down there in Charlotte. And over the next couple weeks, guys, you can visit NASCARHomeTracks.com. I've already spoke with uh, Reed Lanfer and Keith Rocco and Dave Darling and done a little bit of a profile on them. Those are going to be coming out over the next couple weeks. Of course, I'll be speaking to Todd Patton and Jimmy Zacharias, among some others, in the next couple weeks. So excited to be down there in Charlotte uh, this weekend for the banquet. And I uh, hope the celebration goes as well as it looks like it's going to. Sounds good. Well, we look forward to seeing you down here this weekend and uh, doing some banqueting. And then, of course, uh, we'll have you back on next Thursday to uh, wrap it up, talk about it, and uh, turn it inside and out here as we uh, continue with keeping up to date on what's going on out of New England and with the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. That is Kyle Souza, and we are going to step aside when we come back. We have more race talk right here on the Stock Car Show, presented by our friends at HMS Motorsport on the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. 
HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Hi, welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza all with you talking racing as we have spent a couple of hours together or just about that. We are in our final segment of the show otherwise known as our white flag segment, otherwise known as our lightning round. And this is kind of the segment where we just really get into a round robin of various questions and have some fun and do all of that. Tonight, we're going to have some fun, but we're really going to be working on cleaning up the rest of our newswire items because we didn't hardly scratch the surface at the top of the show. We did talk about... Whelan's multi-year extension with NASCAR to continue sponsoring the Mod Tour, the Euro Series, and the Hall of Champions. We uh, talked about Ream moving from RCR to JGR as a primary sponsor for Christopher Bell and Ryan Priest in the Xfinity Series. We highlighted some of the K&N Pro Series e-schedule for 2018. <laughs> but let's hit a couple of more items, shall we, that we didn't get to. And the first one I want to hit is one that hasn't really been a greatly kept secret or very well-kept secret in the NASCAR garage, guys. But um, I guess you could say it's official because a couple of different uh, news sources have gotten quotes from the king, Richard Petty, to substantiate it, even though the press release from the team hasn't come out yet. Richard Petty Motorsports leaves Ford, goes to Chevy, and will... Let's just say partner with Richard Childress Racing for 2018. And <laughs> as Richard Petty put it, you know, they put us on the corner of the lot, basically, uh, one of the old Xfinity shops. And you know what, Jacob, this is kind of interesting to me because when you look at where both organizations are at this point, I mean, Richard Childress lost Paul Menard, which means that they lost the Menards money. And now they've lost Ream. They've still got that car sitting there that Menard was driving 
Not sure yet. Richard Childress said he would like to see them campaign that car next year. I was just reading that again the other day. So far, nothing definite. Needs sponsorship, obviously. Needs a driver. This is kind of a, a different sort of a take for Richard Childress. But you know what? It brings together two of the icons of the sport now, Richard Petty, Richard Childress, and one of the up-and-coming young, and I'm going to just use the word stars because I think Bubba Wallace is going to be that. This now makes this whole situation for RPM and Bubba even more interesting when you bring them into an organization where you have Richard Childress and then you have Austin Dillon and you have Ty Dillon, who's not really connected in cup, but obviously still part of the family. You know, this is kind of an interesting mix, Jacob, of youthful enthusiasm. Of course, you got Ryan Newman still over there as well. And a veteran couple of leaders there and, and icons to draw from from a marketing standpoint. This just seems to be more of a home run now. Let's see. There's also, oh, I don't know, 14 NASCAR Cup Series championships on one campus now. When well, yeah, and through. of course, we didn't even mention, uh, you know, the Xfinity lineup that uh, RCR has with, you know, guys like Daniel Hemrick, who are so close to, you know, making a step up. Matt Tiff coming in. I mean, you know, th- this just feels right at this point. You know, I know some people are going to be cynical and say, well, where else do they have to go? You know, well, it's really not that big a deal. RCR is not very good. I call bull on all of that. I just think this sometimes things happen at the right time for the right reason. And I feel like this is one of those things, Jacob, that really just feels like it could have the potential to be not only enjoyable and entertaining, but from a marketability standpoint, I think it could help both organizations, honestly. I think it could, too. I like where this is going. And another key point to note here, Cisco, is the fact that Richard Petty saying in the interview with Jerry Jordan and kicking the tires that they will lease out the 43 charter and use the 44 charter on the 43 for 2018 because NASCAR charter rules are common. Can you say that again? <laughs> I, that may know. There'll be a quiz on again? this later. This is basic politics, Cisco, right? I mean, they're basic yeah, just it's, NASCAR. It's just paperwork. That's what it is, and that means on the entry list it's going to be more confusing again because it's going to have 043 for the next year on it now. Well, the, because... the, the thing about it is, is just for the for those listening to us, the way this works is you can't lease the same charter twice and nascar when they issued the charters assigned a number to each charter so they leased the 44's charter which is number two by the way according to nascar's record books to the 32 team i think right go fast racing last year I believe that's yeah, they, cool. yeah, that's right. Yeah, the 44 charter, which is charter number two in NASCAR's record keeping. It was the second charter NASCAR issued. They leased that to go fast. You can only lease a charter one time, and then you have to use it the following year. So because of that, Petty just basically, the organization saying, okay, well, fine. We'll turn around and lease out the other charter, which happens to be for the 43. It's number one in NASCAR's record keeping uh, was the first charter issued. So 
basically, at the end of the day, if you're a fan and you're listening to this show, it doesn't matter to you. <laughs> they just lease the charter, and you don't have to care which one it is. The other one will be obviously kept in house and um, and used. And I I think you know this also is good for Chevy because Chevrolet gets the king. And not only that, but I think with the new Camaro body, Jacob, to me, this feels like this could be interesting from a performance standpoint. If Chevrolet can bring their organizations together like they should, like Toyota does and like Ford is trying to, this could be interesting. I mean, I think from that standpoint, it might be an advantage for uh, Bubba coming in to the 43 car right now. And it's basically something fresh. It is, and oh, by the way, Cisco makes the point in our host chat that by the time this is all done, Bubba Wallace will have driven for all three major manufacturers in the NASCAR National Series, which (laughs) is kind of funny to think about. He drove a Ford in his selected starts this year for uh, Petty and also for Roush in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He drove a Toyota when he was with Kyle Busch Motorsports in the trucks, and now he's driving a Chevrolet in 2018. He also drove a Chevy for uh, the MDM truck win that he got at Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think uh, he's on his way to being Mark Martin, too. Or Casey uh, Kane. Or Casey Kane, yeah. Just interesting. And, and, you know, when you think about this, and Cisco, I'll come to you on this. When you think about just all of the talking points now that we have in this organization, this combined organization, you know, you've got a lot of youth is what you've got. But for the ownership group or kind of the executive group, You've got all the you know these two icons and and all of the veteran leadership within the teams, each team, the crew chiefs, etc. This really feels like something that could be kind of special. And if nothing else, it's an organization now that takes on a dynamic that you don't have anywhere else in the sport with all of the past championships, but the fresh blood coming in. I just want the Richard Childress and Richard Petty uh, podcast to come out. Can we make that happen? Because I feel like that would be amazing. Yeah, but I nonetheless, do, do it is, it's a dynamic we've never really seen in this before because these two teams have been on such opposite sides of the spectrum, whether it was Petty Enterprises in the 2000s or, you know, one place or the other and Petty being with Dodge for so long and then going to Ford and now Chevy. It's just it's weird. It's just weird. It, it is weird. And I think uh, this is one of those situations where you look at something and you say, you know what, this is just an odd enough pairing to sort of spark something special. So I hope it does. Speaking of ownerships, or in this case, drivers getting into ownership, Ryan Newman taking some ownership, but not anywhere in NASCAR. Jacob, Ryan Newman has bought into one of the top organizations in open wheel racing, and this is really cool for me. Yes, it is. To hit on this really quickly before we close tonight's show, Ryan Newman has become a part owner of the Clawson Marshall Racing new sprint car team that they're starting in the USAC 
National Sprint Car Series for 2018, and Tyler Courtney going to be the driver there. This announcement was made during the PRI trade show earlier this morning, and everybody's excited about this. Ryan's excited. Of course, he's the 1999 Silver Crown champion. He gets a chance to go back to USAC. Tim Clawson and Richard Marshall are excited about this. They get to start a sprint car team, which was one of the grand designs that uh, Brian Clawson had that the team would eventually do before his uh, tragic passing. And Tyler Courtney's excited because he gets to chase a championship with a great team. All good here, Tom. I love it. I love it, too. I just think, again, this has the makings of something very, very special. I love hearing this news come out of PRI, and that's really what the trade show is all about, is this breaking news. Keep an eye on Race Chaser Online throughout uh, the rest of this week and the weekend, because as news breaks, we'll be on top of it. Yes, we will. We also want to thank our social media partners at Three Wide Life, Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, and all the folks over there, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and all the staff at the Performance Motorsports Network that makes this show possible, along with our sponsors at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. For Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza, I'm Jacob Suman reminding you to keep it off the wall. And if you're headed to a racetrack or some sort of racing event over this weekend, we might just see you there, folks. Have a safe one, and we'll be back here next Thursday. Good Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network. 